So, Father, I declare, Lord God, that we possess a hearing heart. Father, we hear you, Lord God, in specific detail, Father, not in vain, Father, or vague impressions, Father, that every word that we hear from you, Father, empowers us, Father, to prosper and excel, Father. We stand firm in you, Father, because we are established in righteousness and that the gates of hell, Father, will not prevail against us. Father, speak to us concerning, Father, what we need to do to live for you, Father, and experience the reality, Father, of your blessings in our life. We obey you in all things, Father, and therefore your word says, Father, that everything will come to pass in our life, Father, according to your will, that we are your sheep, Father, and you are our shepherd, and that we know your voice and the voice of a stranger, Father, we will not follow. We hear your voice clearly, and we obey it immediately, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. All right. Amen. 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 All right, everybody. So we will continue. This is actually part two of the uh, prophetic training on hearing the um, pretty much hearing the voice of God, but the different ways in which the father can speak to you. And so we did part one. And so now we're entering into part two. So the teaching actually is a seven part teaching and so we are in the part two so we're going to start off today and i hope everybody can actually see the powerpoint we're going to start off today with first person first person the different ways in the languages in which god can speak to you the first one we're going to start off with that god speaks in first person so the scripture reference that we'll be coming from will be Numbers 12 and 8. And it says, I speak to him face to face, talking about Moses. I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? So when the father communicates his will, he often will speak in first person to you. So the first thing we're going to go over, and we're actually going to come back to this numbers um, 12 and 8, but we're going to go over the definition of first person. So when we're talking about first person, we're talking about in reference to um, a linguistic form to the speaker or writer of the utterance in which it occurs. It also means that the father identifies himself with the word I. And then you are the person he is speaking directly to. So he's speaking in the first person, which means that he makes it very personal and he makes it very intimate. Now, this can come through another person but the other person that is speaking will often use the words like, for instance, the, the for instance, if you are saying something using the gift of the prophecy, for instance, and the Lord wants to reveal his heart to somebody, he will often sometimes, like I say, use the person and the other person will start to speak in the, in the first person. They'll start to say things like, I, the Lord. Um, we'll do this, this, and that for you. I, the Lord, am faithful. Continue to remain prayerful, this, this, and that when the person is prophesying. And so 
also for example if i didn't i don't have the scripture on here but write the scripture down it's exodus 33 and 11. so the bible says that god spoke to moses mouth to mouth or face to face and basically in first person so when moses was sent to pharaoh in exodus to to deliver god's people out of bondage moses asked god what to say if pharaoh asked who sent me god replied in first person telling moses to tell pharaoh say i am that i am sent you so the message was spoken in first person even though moses was sent as a prophet or an ambassador or on assignment so in saying that prophets have been given divine authority by the holy spirit for the father to speak as a mouthpiece for the lord so for that reason like i said there's been often times and i think pretty much everybody probably have experienced this when the spirit is high and we're worshiping and we're praising and then someone will begin to prophesy and they'll start by saying you know daughter I, the Lord God, have come to break you free from the spirit of poverty, and I desire for you to prosper in me as your soul prosper. And I know that I am with you, my child, and I will give you the power to get wealth. Now, even though this is coming through another person, you would notice that the word I is being is being used at all times meaning that the spirit of God has taken over that person and the person is just being used as a mouthpiece. So clearly there was nowhere in prophecy that the person is referring to themselves. They're not saying that, you know, Ola is saying, or Cindy is saying, or Chris is saying, it's directly saying, I, the Lord am saying this. So one of the ways the Lord speaks to you or the father will speak to you is in first person in order to make it intimate and personal for you so the next scripture we're going to go to is first peter 4 and 11 first peter 4 and 11 and it says do you have the gift of speaking then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. So some people would say that. A lot of people don't have the right, and I've heard this several times from different, you know, Bible scholars, if you would call them, that you don't have the right to use um, the to use the word I when you're prophesying, because pretty much they're saying like you you on the same um, playing field with God, but it's not the fact that you're on the same playing field with God, but it's the fact that you're being used by God. And God is always looking for somebody to use. So the second way in which God can speak 
to his children. And this is probably one of the most interesting, interesting ways um, that he can speak to you that I find is, is in dark speeches and riddles in which we've seen several different times in the Bible when we read it. So we're going to actually be coming from Matthew 13 and 35. Matthew 13 and 35. Now we're talking about the different ways in which the father can speak and the different languages in which he can speak to you. So dark speeches and riddles. So verse 35 says he did this in order to fulfill the prophecy. I will speak to you in allegories. I will reveal secrets that have been concealed since before the foundation of the world. So there are times when the father will say something in riddles or dark sayings so that the hearer will seek out the true meaning of what he is actually saying. So the first way in which when we're talking about dark speeches and riddles, one of the things we're talking about is parables. And we've seen this so many different times in the New Testament well, where Jesus is speaking in parables. So a parable is a cohesive story in which all the characters and events work together to teach a single spiritual idea. Okay. It is a cohesive story in which all the characters and events are working together to teach a single spiritual idea. So an example of that, you might want to write down Matthew 5, 14 through 16, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. And it says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and moral excellence and glorify your father who is in heaven. So in this cohesive story in Matthew 5, 14 through 16, he brings out the fact and, and he's describing the children of God as a as a light which is not hidden. And then he, he says that you are a lamp that's not under a basket, but on a lampstand. And that gives light to whoever is in the house that no matter where you are, he says that you give light to no matter what, how dark the situation is, whether you're at work, whether you're the only one saved in your family, he says your light gives light to whoever is in the house. And which actually it also goes into like, you know, when you are saved and you have children that you being saved actually covers your whole household. It covers your children. It covers your marriage. It covers your your husband, your spouse. And so he tells this cohesive story to show you a spiritual idea with the fact that you are a light for the world that's in darkness. So the other 
way as far as dark speech and the riddles in which the Lord speaks, he said he speaks in allegories. Now an allegory is different than a parable. An allegory is an illustration in which each element of the story represents a specific idea and through the entire story, it works together. And actually, when I was looking this up, this really actually reminds me of the way in which kind of I interpret dreams. Because there's when you interpret dreams, like the colors mean a thing, numbers are important, smells are important, all the details of a dream are important. And then when you meditate, you that's when the Holy Spirit puts it together for you. So allegories is actually they kind of work similar. So when you're dealing with the allegory, you have specific things that mean specific things. And then it all comes together as one. So we're going to look at an example. And our example is Galatians 4, 22 through 26 Galatians 4 22 through 26 and it says for it is written that Abraham had two sons one by the slave woman Hagar and one by the free woman Sarah but the child of the slave woman was born according to the flesh and had an ordinary birth while the son of the free woman was born in fulfillment of the promise. Now these facts are about to be used by me as an allegory. That is, I will illustrate by using them for these women can represent two covenants. One covenant originated from Mount Zion where the law was given that bears children or destined for slavery. She is Hagar. Now Hagar is represents Mount Sinai and Arabia and she corresponds to the present Jerusalem for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above that is the way of faith represent represented by Sarah is free. She is our mother. Now this is an example of an allegory. And so we'll we'll actually break this down so you can see what I mean. So Hagar Remember, it says represents Mount Sinai and the law in this um, allegory. He's explaining Sarah, Sarah represents the heavenly Jerusalem and she represents grace. Then it talks about Hagar slavery, which represents slavery under the law in the present day Jerusalem. Then we talked about Sarah's freedom which is the future Israel under the new covenant. Then we had Ishmael who was born from Hagar, which was the son born under the law per persecutor of the free in which he was cast out. And then we have Isaac, the son of the promise who was free and in the family of God. 
And so this story represents an allegory, a way in which the father can speak to you. And so when you look and you read through the Bible, you have examples of allegories, you have examples of parables, you have examples of stories, but the allegories, like I said, is a way in which God can speak to you because in this story, he's showing you the difference between law versus grace. He's showing you the difference between um, slavery versus freedom. He, he's showing you the representation of the, the, the future Jerusalem and then the old, um, the old law that was done away with. And that's why, why Ishmael was cast out. So the next scripture we're actually going to go into is Deuteronomy 29 and 29. So we're still talking about God speaking in riddles and in dark sayings. And it says the Lord, our God has secrets known to no one. We are not accountable for them, but we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. So the father reserves the secret things to himself, but the things that are revealed belongs to us, his children. So what he's basically saying here is that, look, you're not accountable to, for the original information because he, what he's saying is that I'm going to get that from the father. I'm going to give you the original information, but you are accountable to what I reveal to you and what you do with it. Then we have first Corinthians 13 and 12. And it says, now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. So in riddles or dark sayings, there needs to be a divine understanding through the Holy Spirit to dissect the father's language. So because it says here that we see kind of dimly in a mirror, we don't see the whole picture when God gives us something because he gives us stuff in pieces. God will never give you everything all at once. He'll give it to you in pieces. And so when he begins to talk to you and give you things in pieces, it says that we don't understand. Because a lot of like even what's going on right now with the whole coronavirus and the pandemic, we don't completely understand what God is doing unless like I said, the Holy Spirit reveals it to us. A lot of us have had dreams about these different things that God has revealed and say, you know, this is the reason why this is happening. Or um, a lot of us, God has just dropped a, a word of knowledge or wisdom on us to let us know, like, you know what? You're going to be OK. I'm doing something in the earth. But without the Holy Spirit, we see dimly. We don't even see what God is doing. It's an imp it's, it's our sight is imperfect when we don't have the Holy Spirit revealing things to us. 
The next scripture we're going to look at is first Corinthians two and 10. And it says, but it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. Key word, God revealed these things by his spirit for his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. So once again, the Holy Spirit searches and investigates everything even the deep things of God. So it is imperative in this hour that we access the spirit of God, that we keep praying during this period of time. And even after this period of time, this has to be a lifestyle because it is the spirit that is going to be discerning and giving us what really the father was on the father's heart. And our last scripture for um, riddles and dark sands in the way in which God speaks to us is Matthew 13 and 11. And it says he explained, you've been given the intimate experience of insight into the hidden truths and mysteries of the realm of heaven's kingdom, but they have not. And so in this scripture, his disciples were um, Jesus disciples was around him and he was saying things in parables. And so they were asking him, you know, why do you speak in parables, you know, to us? And he was saying, look, it's, it's been given. You are going to get the insight behind what I'm talking about, because I'm going to tell you the parable and then I'm going to tell you the mystery behind it. He said, but I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking in parables. I don't want basically the Sadducees and the Pharisees. I don't want them to know what I'm talking about, but you're going to know what I'm talking about because whoever desires to know what I'm talking about, he wanted them to seek him for the revelation of it. So I actually wanted to give you guys like a personal example before we go into perceived thoughts. Um, When I was at, me and my husband visit, we went and visited Lionheart one day and I was coming up the ramp to go to service. And that's all I heard the father say, um, or actually not say, as all I heard was the father say, and I saw something too, but I heard him say the, the word yellow. And then I saw the color yellow and I'm walking and I'm thinking to myself, okay, what does that got to do with anything? Cause we're, we're here to, we're here to, you know, show our support. We're here to visit. Um, and so I was like, maybe, you know, I'll know what yellow means when I actually get inside the service. So we get inside of the service and we're worshiping and stuff like that. And the spirit is high and prophecy is going forth and stuff. And once again, I hear the Lord say yellow. And I'm like, okay, God, you have to give me more than just yellow. Cause I don't know what you're talking about. And then in walks and then in walks in a woman and she is dressed in yellow. And so I was like, okay, do you want me to talk to her? 
And so that's when he started to reveal more to me as I was like, so I would begin to pray in tongues, pray in tongues. I'm like, she's the only one that I see that got yellow on. And so I began to pray in tongues. And then that's when he dropped it on me to tell the woman this, this and that. And so when I told her that, and then I had people come around her and pray for her, she just broke down in tears. And so that's why I say a lot of times God will speak to you in riddles and dark sayings. It'll come and he'll tell you do this or do that. It won't make sense at all. But that's when you have to begin to ask more questions. Okay, God, what are you trying to say? What are you trying to show me so that the Holy Spirit can reveal to you the father's heart and what he's trying to get across to you? Okay, so the next one we're going to talk about is perceived thoughts. A way in which the Father speaks to us is, is through perceived thoughts. And we're going to be coming from Luke 5, 21 through 23. And I actually have a lot of scriptures with this one just to just give you an idea. We'll kind of run through them. But we'll go through this one first. Luke 5, 21 through 23 says, And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blaspheme? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it's easy to say thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, rise up and walk. So another way in which the father speaks to us prophetically is through perceived thoughts. So when the father gives you a supernatural ability to know what's on a person's heart or mind. Now, this is not mind reading. This is not what you call mind reading. We don't know what somebody is thinking at all times. But what this is, is that at a particular um, point in a person's life or the depending on where you are, it depends on a circumstance or a situation that the father at times will give you accurate insight and understanding into something specific regarding a person's heart. So let's look at a definition so you can get a better understanding. So perceived, perceived means to become thoroughly acquainted with, to know thoroughly, to recognize by sight, hearing of certain signs, to perceive who a person is, to know without missing the mark or to know by knowing the mark or aim of a thing. So for instance, a lot of times when I am, whether I'm doing something for somebody or I'm praying for somebody or I'm just, just doing counseling and I'm just talking to somebody, I can be talking to them and they'll be responding back to me and I'll be talking about something and they'll give me a response and I'm thinking to myself, okay, that response didn't go with what I'm asking them. And so the spirit will... I will start to pray internally and start speaking in tongues and then internally while the person is talking and then the spirit will start revealing to me what's on that person, what that person is thinking 
or what that person what's in that person's heart. And so I'll begin to perceive to know and I'll like the definition was talking about. It says to perceive who a person is and to not pretty much not miss the mark. And so it's like knowing a person's hidden motives behind why they're saying a particular thing to you. Now they might, they might think that they're getting over on you by saying things out of their mouth with words, but the Holy spirit begins to reveal to you what really is on their mind, what they're really thinking or what their real motives are regarding what they're telling you. For example, another example, when Jesus was able to perceive what was in the hearts of his disciples and even the religious leaders of the day, he perceived their actions, why they were doing what they were doing. He perceived their conversations when they were pretty much kind of talking behind his back or they were kind of doing side conversation. He perceived their conversations. And then he received, he perceived their religious paradigms, the, the different shifts and the different movements or the po different political agendas that they have that was not in line with the kingdom agenda. He was also able to perceive their purpose for challenging his decisions because a lot of times they would challenge him just to try to catch God up. So and likewise, you're going to have the same ability. There are going to be times where people ask you questions, whether you're on your job, whether they're a family member, people are going to ask you questions and you're thinking to yourself, why are they asking me this? And like I say, the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal to you and and show you the purpose behind why they're the why they're trying to ask you this question it might be they want to start mess it may be because they um they want more information about something that is pretty much not their business or it might be that they want to try to start some type of division between a husband and wife or division in a family or division in a friendship so let's look at some more um, scripture examples. Now I have a list of them up here, but we'll, like I say, we'll go through these very quickly and not in depth because I'm trying to get you to see how in several different situations, how Jesus would perceive the thoughts of, of these people in different situations. So we're going to look at Matthew nine, two through four first. And it says, and they brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed seeing their faith Jesus said to the paralytic take courage son your sins are forgiven and some of the scribes said to themselves now they said this to themselves they didn't say this out loud to Jesus they said to themselves this fellow blasphemes and Jesus knowing their thoughts said why are you thinking evil in your hearts? The second example is Matthew 12 and 25. And he said, and knowing their thoughts, Jesus said to them, any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste and a city, any city or house divided against itself will not stand. Now, this was a situation where they were challenging him. 
They were saying that he was casting out these demons and that pretty much he belonged to the kingdom of darkness. He was, there was like, no man can do this unless he belongs to the kingdom of darkness. But he was trying to show him that, look, if I belong to the kingdom of darkness and I'm casting out demons, then the kingdom of darkness can't stand because I'm working against them. So he has another example, Mark two and eight. It says immediately Jesus aware in his spirit that they were reasoning that way within themselves. Now this is a situation where they're reasoning. Now, when we talk about reasoning, reasoning, you use reasoning with your conscious mind. So they were reasoning in their mind in them side of themselves. And he said to them, why are you reasoning about these things in your heart? And the last one is Luke six and eight. And it says, but he knew what they were thinking. And he said to the man with the withered hand, get up and come forth. And he got up and he came forth. So all of the above scriptures that we just went through gives us an understanding that to perceive a person's thoughts is only to know what they are thinking at the time and not what they're thinking all the time It's situational is circumstantial. In our last scripture, for this section for God speaks to us in perceived thoughts is first Corinthians 13 and nine. And it says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. Another translation says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part for our knowledge is fragmentary and incomplete. So, for instance, when I'm ministering a lot of time in um, the prophetic gift to someone, um, I will often reveal through the spirit something that they said in prayer to the father. Now, we're talking about something like, for instance, when people go into their secret closet and their secret place and they begin to pray to God or, you know, when you get up in the morning or you pray at night or in the afternoon, whatever you that's that intimate prayer. And that's that personal prayer. No one knows what you're praying about other than you and the father and the spirit. So a lot of times, like when, a, when I've been in service and I begin to operate in the, the office of a prophet in the gift of prophecy, the Holy spirit will reveal to me oftentimes what people are praying about in their secret closet. And so what I'll do, I'll take that and I reveal that to them when I'm prophesying so that they will know that this this is not fake. This is real because there's no way I could have known that unless the spirit revealed it to me. So this is another way in which when we're talking about the different ways in which the father speak to you, when we're talking about perceived thoughts, a lot of time God, because a lot of times God is trying to use you to get to another person and God knows that other person. And a lot of times people will say within themselves, you know what? I'm not going to believe anybody. Father, you got somebody has to say something to me that don't nobody know about, but me and you. 
And God will be like, okay, I'll honor that. And so what God will do, he'll use you to, to talk to somebody or he'll use you to evangelize and to, to get, you know, get another soul or, um, you just might be at lunch or something and he'll reveal something to you and not knowing that that person has already said within themselves that they won't, um, they don't believe in God because, you know, all the different religion that they've been through and all the different things that they, um, have been through as far as church and religion is concerned and they'll walk away from God, but then they'll say within themselves, well, God, if you're real, then have somebody tell me this, 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 and that. And God will do that, that very thing. So number nine, we will talk about the audible voice of another, the audible voice of another still talking about the different languages of the father, the different ways in which God speaks to you. So the audible voice of another. So what this is, is that oftentimes believers are looking for confirmation and a lot of people, um, probably this is probably the, probably the most utilized one of all. A lot of time believers are looking for confirmation of what God has spoken to them personally. So in other words, we can ask the father to confirm something he spoke through a prophecy, a dream, a vision, a burden, etc. Also, we can ask the Father for a sign concerning something personal, which deals with our purpose, our calling, and our destiny. So, let me show you how this works. We'll go with Isaiah 7, 10 through 12. Do I have Samuel up there? Okay, I have seen you up there, but it is Isaiah 7, 10 through 12. It says, then the Lord spoke again to Ahaz saying, ask a sign for yourself from the Lord, your God, make it deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz says, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. So there will be times when you may want to hear the father speak through an outside audible voice of confirmation, just to make sure that you are on the right path and that God actually told you to do something. You will often say, okay, Lord, if you told me that, tell my husband, tell my wife, send me confirmation that you actually said that. So sometimes other people can confirm something that you have been praying about or believe in God for. So for example, I, the Lord had told me when it was time for me to resign from my job, I had actually given myself a day that I was going to resign because I literally could feel it in the spirit, the separation from the job and what he was calling me to do. But I just did not know the day that he wanted me to leave, but I knew I was leaving. And so when I came into um, when I came into work and, and well, before I came into work, I was thinking, like, OK, I'm going to leave. 
I got my date that I'm going to leave. But even with my date, I was going to leave. It wasn't set in stone. This was a day that I was like, okay, God, this is the day I'm going to leave. But if this day is supposed to be earlier or this day is supposed to be later, just let me know. But this is the day that I'm going to leave because I, I feel you tugging on me as far as needing to leave the job. And so what actually ended up happening is that a, a, a woman from a whole nother department, <laughs> a woman from a whole nother department that I don't even work with. I don't even know this woman even operating the prophetic. I didn't even know this woman was saved. Me and this woman don't even work together. She came all the way on my side of the department and said, I don't know why. I need to say this to you, but God sent me to tell you that, yes, he did say it's time for you to leave. That was a confirmation for me because, and, and, and to be honest with you, I just cried right in front of the woman. I said, because I say I'm crying because you could have not known. I said, that was a personal conversation that me and God had just me and him. I, I hadn't even told my husband at that point. It was just a me and God conversation. And when that person revealed to me, I did not even know that person. She came from a whole different side of a department over to my department just to tell me that I knew that what I had heard was correct. So we're going to go to second Corinthians 13 and one. And it says, this is the third time I am coming to visit you. And as the scripture says, the facts of every case must be established by the testimony of two to three witnesses. So sometimes it may take the audible voice of others to confirm what the father has revealed to you so that you can obey what the father is saying to you because it puts you in overdrive and say, okay, I heard what he says. Okay. Let me go ahead and do it now that I got the confirmation. Also, um, I wanted to be obedient to the father and leave my job. And so not only did he bring confirmation through that woman, but he also bought several confirmations through dreams and then he uh, heard him in an audible voice on the day that I was supposed to actually leave, which was a whole month before um, the day that I had set. So he confirmed it by several different ways. And that's like I said, we went through the scripture because it says every case must be established by the testimony of two to three witnesses. And I got my confirmation from several different sources an outside audible voice. I got it from dreams and then I got it from the audible voice of God. Another example is, for instance, when we were in Louisiana and my husband came to me and said, you know, God told me it's time for us to move to Atlanta. And I'm thinking in my head, Atlanta, <laughs> we just got here in Louisiana, even though I, I know I wasn't attached to Louisiana, but we had literally just got there. And I was like, really, Atlanta? We don't know anybody in Atlanta. We don't got no family in Atlanta. And I'm thinking 
then, you know, I started thinking just from a natural perspective, like, okay, we don't have no money to move from Louisiana to Atlanta. And how are we going to make that transition? And where are we going to put our furniture <laughs> and stuff like that? And so, but it was so crazy because my husband was like, I don't know what to tell you, but I know that the Lord told me it's time to move to Atlanta. So what I personally had to do, because I didn't believe him. I went into prayer and fasting because I was like, I need to hear this and to make sure that this is the right move. And so I went into prayer and fasting and sure enough, through prayer and fasting, the Lord told me the same thing. And then again, on that day, we got another confirmation. We were sitting and we were watching uh, one of Miles Monroe's um, videos and he was as he was talking it was like he was talking directly to us that day. It was just something about that message he was talking about. And it, both me and my husband, we just pretty much broke down in tears and in tongues. And we was like, we know this is the Lord saying it's time to go to Atlanta. We didn't know what Atlanta, what was in Atlanta, what lied in Atlanta for us, where we were supposed to go, where we were supposed to live. All we knew is that. He said to go to Atlanta and that's what we did. So now we're going into, let me see, we have, we got a couple more to go through. We're going through the audible voice of the father. We just did the audible voice of another, which comes through other people and confirmation through other things. Now we're going through the audible voice of the father. And it says Isaiah 30 and 21. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way walk in it. When you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. So God spoke several different ways in the Old Testament through his audible voice. Now, in the Old Testament, he spoke through his audible voice several different ways, whether it was symbolic or it was actually literal. In the Old Testament, a lot of times, for instance, he used the casting of lots. He talked through a burning bush. He um, talked through... Um, in the store in the book of Daniel when where Belshazzar had a dream he off he he spoke through the handwriting on a wall he spoke in visions he spoke in dreams so the Holy Spirit will help you hear the father's voice no matter what form it comes in no matter what audible form that it comes in the Holy Spirit will help you hear the father's voice it says that when Adam and Eve, which we will go to in Genesis, when Adam and Eve was in the garden, they were the first to hear the audible voice of the father because they were his first children that he spoke to audibly. So it says in Genesis 3, 8 through 10, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said to him, where art thou? And he said, 
I heard thy voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. So here we have an account of the first children in the garden and God is speaking audibly to them. The other example is Genesis 1, 27 to 28. And it says, so God created man in his own image and the image of God created he, him, male and female created he, them, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now we have here an example of the audible voice of God and he's speaking blessings over the children, over Adam and over Eve. And then our last example comes from Numbers 12, 6 through 8. And he said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream, not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house with him. I speak mouth to mouth clearly and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why the ye were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So he brings out in this that he spoke to Moses face to face. He didn't speak to Moses in riddles. He didn't speak to Moses in dark sayings. He spoke to Moses face to face. Now he spoke to Moses face to face because Moses had a different assignment on his life. And also at the same time, you know, Christ had not been crucified during that time. And like I say, Jesus had not risen. So he had to speak through different people. And so when it came to Moses, he spoke to Moses face to face in order for Moses to do what he needed to do with um, the people. Now, hearing before we get into faith. Hearing the audible voice of the father is rare. Now I say that it's rare because it's based upon your purpose. It's based upon your assignment. It's based upon the mantle that's upon your life. It's based upon the sphere of influence that God has given you. And it's based upon your calling. So for instance, when it comes to my husband, God speaks to him more audibly and on like a first of um, uh, first person and audibly um, rather than in dreams and visions. Now, I get more dreams and I get more visions than anything as far as how God speaks to me or he'll send somebody to talk to me about something. But the reason why that is, is because it's based upon our assignment. God speaks to him in first person and face to face a lot of times and audibly a lot of times is because not only is he the lead of the house as far as the man is concerned and being my husband, but the calling that is upon his life to be a teacher. And so with me, as far as being a prophet, I get more audible things when I begin to operate in the office of the prophet, when God wants to speak through me. That's when I hear majority of time, the audible voice of God. But a lot of times my things come in dreams, visions, 
riddles through other people, through children. That's the majority of times how my things come in. But like I say, it's based upon your assignment and the calling God has on your life. And so the last one that we will go through is faith. That God will speak to you as far as a language is concerned by faith. So let's go to Hebrews as always the book of faith. And it says now faith is the substance of things hoped for Hebrews 11 and one, the evidence of things not seen. Now we will come back to that. We're going to go to the second one, Romans 10 and 17. And it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So hearing God's word causes our faith to increase. So we can hear the father speak when we know by faith that he does speak and we can hear him. So not only can faith be heard, faith can be received or imparted and faith also can be confessed. So when we as believers hear the word, we are convinced beyond every doubt and the issue itself that it can be done. Hebrews 11, in which we just came out of, talks about faith regarding pleasing the Father. Because it says, without faith, it is impossible to please the Father. Why is it impossible to please the Father without faith? Because without faith, without faith, there's nothing that, that, that grabs a hold of what's in the spirit for you. There's nothing to hope for. And so without faith, money in the natural realm is what faith is in the spirit realm for us. It makes things move. But if you don't have faith, you don't know the, the heart of God. You don't know the will of God. You don't know how God speaks. You don't know um, how God um thinks or how he moves or you don't know God's character or you don't know you don't you can't know his voice if you don't know his word because they're one and the same they can't be separated so without that it says you can't please him because everything that belongs to faith is connected to the word because they can't be pulled apart so we also know that faith what without works is dead so hearing and doing go together. So the reason why I said that the one of the ways in which the father can speak to you is through faith, because when you hear majority of times, it should afford you the opportunity to do because you can't hear something and then not do it. Because like it says, faith without works is dead. Faith without action becomes non and void because you hear something. It doesn't go in your spirit and then you can't use it. For instance, 
when we talk, for instance, in these times, we talk about the peace of God that passes all understanding. We talk about the peace of God that rules our heart, that protects us and guards us from fear. Now, if we don't have that, if we don't have the peace that we need and we don't actually take the word and operate in peace and actually meditate on the word and believe that the peace of God rules our heart, then guess what? It can't do anything for us spiritually. So faith will always require an action from you. So also faith must grow to the place that we can recognize it. We can discern it. We can understand it and respond to the voice of the father's word. So our faith becomes full grown in the spirit through the development of his word spoken in our ear gates. So the thing about faith, when it says it comes by hearing and then it turns around, it says, and hearing by the word of God. It's like I say, it's, it's one in the same because it's like, what are you having faith in? What is faith being, um, what is it anchored to? Because it, what it's doing is pulling out of the supernatural realm what you believe, but you cannot see it. You don't know what God is doing. You know he's working behind the scenes. You know that it's going to manifest because you've been praying, you've been fasting, you know what I'm saying? You, you've been practicing righteousness. And so you have to believe that it's going to manifest because other words, that like, like the Bible says, that it becomes not in void. It's dead because faith is action. And the reason why faith is action, because the word itself says that the word is living. The word is living and the word is active. The Bible says that the, guess what? The word will not return to God void. So if you speak the word, it says it won't return back to him void because it has action in it. It's alive. So this is the uh, last way in which the father can speak that we'll talk about tonight. And we'll pick up um, from that with part three. And we'll start with Jesus, the son of God, the next time we um, do this Bible study. Amen. So, Father, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, through your word, Father, that we will hide it in our hearts, Father, that we may not sin against you, Father. Father, we thank you for the several different ways, Father, in which, Lord God, you will speak to us, Lord God, that you will use, Lord God, hallelujah, different ways in which, Lord God, that you want to reveal what you are saying, Father, the different ways in which you want to confirm your word, Lord God, and the different ways that you will want to use us, Father, to be mouthpiece, Lord God, for other people. And we thank you right now. Now, Father, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.